Greetings and welcome to Nodcast with Nod founding members Paddy Shine and Chris Haslam. Nod bless. Brilliant. Hello, Angus. How are you? Hi, Angus Reedy. How are you doing? AKA Ocean Floor, or do, do, do you still go under the name Ocean Floor? Do you still? No, uh, basically, what happened is. Yeah, I decided to revert back to using my real name, which is Angus Reedy. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't really any deep reason behind it. It's just I, I wanted to change the musical styles a bit. So, you know, I thought a name change kind of went along with that. Cool. So if for for our Nodcast listeners who might not be aware of you, can we have a, lo- a little bit of background on, on your music, on your some of your what you've been doing? And what you do? What I do? Well, yeah, I started out playing piano and keyboards as a teenager, you know, and then I got quite into uh, analog synthesizers and analog keyboard instruments for a while, you know. So I did a few albums as Ocean Floor, kind of reflecting those interests. Okay, and that was on the Ocean Floor moniker, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. And was am I right in thinking that the first was wasn't your first ocean floor release on Tesla? It wasn't on Tesla, was it? You did one bef- prior to that, I believe. No, I'll tell you the first one I actually did was way back in two thousand and eleven. You know, I kind of like it was just a digital only kind of thing. I'd I'd just been I'd making been making music a few uh-huh. years prior to that, so I just. Um, very simply, just to upload stuff to Bandcamp back in 2011, you know, and that was that. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard that. I'll have to check it out. Is it still up on Bandcamp? It is, yeah. Well, basically, you know, at the time I was just kind of, I hadn't even played any shows yet or anything. So. Thank you. 
I think we were meeting at shows that you were coming to, and then you did a performance one night uh, when we when we played in a church there, and you played a, the church organ, and then. And then I can't remember if you gave me a tape to listen to or you just pat you. I've heard something that you did first and was blown away by it and said, please do a Tesla tape for me. Or you gave me the Redland stuff first. Can Do you remember how that that worked out? I... Yeah, well, I remember, you know, we were both mutual friends with uh, Heloise, of course, who was running Zam Zam Rec at the time and still is, That's of course. Right. So. You know, I yeah. think that's basically uh, how we knew each other because you used to stay over with them. So that's how I got to meet you, basically. That's right. Yeah, we used to party there. Yeah, man. And I mean, the ocean floor stuff was a very unique, it's a very unique sound, man. There's a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people would label it like uh, ambient or drone music. I don't know. I say unfortunately, but I'm saying maybe you don't think that but there's a lot of this ambient and drone sort of music out there at the minute but i think yours is a very singular voice amongst all of that like it comes it's 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 there's something way more than it just being this ambient music and i mean i remember chatting to you and you had said to me um, maybe correct me if i'm wrong but you hadn't done any music or played live or done any music for a long time because you were you were am I right in thinking you were studying music? Did you study? Yeah, I mean I've stu well I've studied twice. Like once was a good long time ago. Back I actually did an undergraduate in Maynooth University in Ireland. Mm -hmm. You know that was back in the early two thousands. Doing what? Like studying what? Oh, just in music, you know. So what, like classical, classical, or like... yeah, classical. Basically, it was most, yeah. it was mostly classical. I'd say about ninety percent of the course was classical, basically, because that's how it is, I guess. But they also had a couple of interesting classes and things like, say, electroacoustic music and stuff like that. So, um, you know, using the computers in the college—that's one of those things where I got to explore electronic music because we were studying people like the early electronic composers a little bit you know great and did they have stuff like synthesizers and stuff at the college did they have a not very equipment? many not very many they had one but i didn't actually use that i guess the thing is this was back in the you know early 2000s so it's kind of like you know the way all the hardware synths made a comeback but this is yeah back still when everyone was just using software you know hardly anyone used hardware i guess it was seen as kind of like old hat at the time you know yeah 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 when software was was the thing yeah 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 and what and then did you carry on did you carry on your studies when you moved to bristol eventually yeah you know i didn't go back to college for many years but i eventually did a you know postgraduate in uh, soundtrack music in uh, university of bristol but to be honest with you, that's not something I've oh, actually... When did you move to Bristol? Okay. Oh, but that, okay. that was back in 2011 that I moved there. Oh, right. Okay. Sounds right. I, I thought it was... Uh, I thought you'd been there longer than that. And what 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 prompted the, the move from Bristol? Because you're from, like, Galway in Ireland. You're from nice, a lovely rural part of Ireland. So what was the thing? What was the, What pulled you to Bristol? Oh, well, it was basically just I liked moving. Sorry, I liked 
you know, living in a large city where there was plenty of gigs going on, you know, that was what I was into at the time, basically. Okay. And was the Bristol scene in particular, was there something about that that pulled you there or? Not, not really, to be honest with you, because, you know, some of it was just taking a chance, to be honest with you. What, okay, I'll tell you what really happened is I moved to London very briefly, like, you know, we're talking a couple of months and I could sense that it wasn't working out, basically. So I, so Bristol was kind of like the next random option. So did you know anyone there before you moved there? Okay, didn't it? Because you met a fucking... Uh, no, I actually didn't know anyone. Like, to be honest with you, it was just one of those um, spur-of-the-moment things, really. In some ways, it wasn't actually something that was all that deeply nice. considered. Yeah, Did you have cool. any connection I, with it at all then? Before you no, it, it really was just a case that I'd moved to London and I sensed that it wasn't working out. So it was like, okay, where else is there that's within a couple hours of where I am currently that I might consider? And that was it, you know? Right, it was nice. really just happenstance. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love it. Ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> Very Irish. Very Irish. Just fucking... <laughs> Just fucking jump on a bus and see where you fucking end up, isn't <laughs> it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was kind of the same for me, really. Well, I I knew I was going to go to Manchester. That was always the plan for me to go to Manchester. But um, this guy asked because when I got to Manchester, I I knew I was doing a course at Salford Uni. I, I was seventeen. I was green as fuck, and uh, I got got to Salford University, and I was like, right. Uh, where you know where am I staying I'm here for this course and where am I staying and where's the course and they were like uh, well the first part of your course is in Birmingham so you have to uh, you have to go to Birmingham uh, and then I had to jump on a bus and get down to Birmingham and get to the college there and oh yeah it's yeah I didn't know what the fuck I was doing but it all worked out well in the end you know you just fucking it's a hope and a prayer isn't it you know yeah you and, have and, to sometimes yeah, you just have to go for it, don't you? And and in Bristol, obviously, you met a good crew there because fucking good people there. And would you say like meeting those because you weren't you weren't doing music or playing live for quite a long time, where you weren't really doing anything live wise in Bristol, where? No, because you know, like the first couple of years, I kind of knew hardly anyone, basically. So I think it was more around two thousand and thirteen. Uh, it sticks out in my memory because that's when, you know, Sam Zam Rex started putting on little shows there, so I started playing at one or two of those.
I think pretty much, you know, everything I've done that I'm actually happy with is up in Bandcamp as far as I know, you know. Okay. Pretty much everything. Yeah. And so tell us a bit about, like, because, you know, there was a real flurry of activity. You did, you must have done about, what, four, five, six releases in the space of four years, four or five years? Yeah, I guess it was just an intense couple of years because, you know, um, I was going to a lot of shows. So I guess maybe just the inspiration or whatever you want to call it was uh, running fast at the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, nice. It's nice when that happens. What was your what was your process? How My you process know? was pretty chaotic, to be honest with you. Like I've actually, as far as I know, I've never really done that thing of just having some sort of disciplined schedule about it or something. I mean, I'm sure it would be helpful, but I've just never actually done it that way. You know, it's very um it's 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 a bit sporadic. Like I get just like I'll do it intensely for a couple of weeks where I'm doing it all the time and then nothing for ages, you know, the way.
back around 2012, I think, I actually found a second-hand harmonium, uh, which for anyone who isn't familiar, it's like this kind of antique organ instrument that you pump with your feet, basically. So that's why, you know, it features in Red and, and a couple of other albums. So there's that, and then there's acoustic piano and I guess a lot of syn synthesizer stuff as well, like, you know, modular synth and what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to make sure, I think it, those three elements that I can think of, that's okay. what's on it, you know. And so this piano and this um, harmonium, have you got them with you in Ireland? Have you, did you have to leave them? In yeah, I not, not the piano, I just sold to the piano.
exactly what was it that you built and that you were using it for? Yeah, it's basically... Uh, it's a replica of a controller that featured in this antique electronic instrument called an Ond Martino. Basically, for those who aren't familiar, it's this early kind of um, proto-synthesizer, you might call it, where you actually control the notes by pulling on a string, basically. You pull on the string, and that makes the pitch go up and down. A little bit like a theremin, but except maybe a bit more controlled because you can set it, the string in specific locations, you know? Yeah. So okay. basically, it gives you this floating kind of pitch that isn't fixed. So yeah. you can get unique tunings because you're not locked into the usual scale, you know? Yeah, nice. And uh, I mean, I was listening to one of your records today. I'm assuming that that's on this, uh, the World of Rain record. Is that, do you use that? That No, I actually do you. I actually used something similar, but I hadn't built my own one at that point. The one I used for that one was actually a dope for a ribbon controller, which is okay. very similar. It's touch sensitive. Basically, at the time, I was very into anything touch sensitive because I guess I, I was starting to feel the limitations of keyboard instruments where everything is fixed. Uh -huh. Anything that's kind of like a ribbon, anything you can glide, where you can glide the pitches, basically. It's just kind of better in some ways, you know. So the dub for a ribbon controller is another thing that allows you to do that. It's touch sensitivity. Yeah, lovely. Especially when you use something like that over the bed of something that's a little bit more like like a piano or something, something that's a bit more of a fixed, something, yeah. you know, rhythmic, rhythmical underneath, underneath it with this lovely these lovely floating swells, which I feel like is quite a feature of your sound and a lot of stuff is these like you know this is my interpretation this is how your music but these big sort of emotional swells a bit kind of like when you're to not get, go into too many like drug references or anything but that lovely thing on lsd when you get this kind of like swelling of <laughs> out into the universe sort <laughs> of thing i feel like when i listen to when i listen to your music it it, it makes me feel like that I, I i kind of feel i feel it that way i hope if that makes sense or it doesn't sound too bad no that's an interesting interpretation you know it's interesting to hear someone else's uh what someone else gets from it basically you know yeah
what's it like there for you now after Bristol and the sort of the craziness of living in a, in a, a kind of a 24-hour city and not and going to all those gigs all the time and now probably not really getting to go to all that many gigs. How are you adjusting? It's just very different. You know, any big international move like that, I know you've done it yourself, it's big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. everything is different. Every yeah. everything you can possibly think of, you know. So yeah. it's just wider, you know, it's just um I mean there's things I like about it. One thing that's n- nicer really, you know, it's just a lot of the time in the urban environments of course you're living in very cramped quarters whereas, you know, it's nice to have a bit of space as well. That can be good. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you there. And I mean, do you have a little setup there? Do you have your, do you have a studio and? Well, of a sort, you know, it's more of a bedroom studio, but you know, um, yeah, but luckily same, enough, same thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I suppose in a way it is. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's kind of, I suppose it is a studio really. I have my, um, I have everything that I need set up. Yeah, there you go. It's just a studio with a fucking bed in it, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you working on anything at the moment then, Angus? Are you doing Yeah. Yeah, I mean basically the things the thing that, that I'm working on a lot now is more ju- uh, I've changed instrumentation basically, you know, I felt like I'd done a lot of stuff that was keyboard based, so these days it's more like a mixture of guitar and bass playing, essentially. Oh, nice! So that's really what I'm focused on on now. Aren't you building your own guitars at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I am. About about a year ago, I started the process of building a jazz master. So that's been very interesting, you know. Um, you you get to. You you get to just slowly shape the wood so that the neck really fits your hand and everything. You know that's the advantage of building your own one. Yeah, nice. And I mean, you have do you have any background in? I mean, obviously you've built you've built the uh, controllers and stuff. So I mean, have you got a bit of a woodworking background? Have you? Is it something you've always yes. done? Yeah, actually, it is because basically my father is a woodworker, so I've kind of learned off him. You know what I mean? Oh, great! So he cool. actually helped me. He's actually helped me out with these projects. You know, teaching me some uh-huh. what he know. Oh, that's cool. Is and is your father is he a bit of a luthier then? Does he make instruments himself? No, he's not a musician. He's more into furniture. He builds furniture and things like that. You know. And is there anybody in your family that's a musician? not really in my immediate family no yeah okay well it's coming from somewhere isn't it must be a grandparent or somebody that used to play the accordion or the fiddle or something yeah i mean i don't know if they actually um necessarily play music but i can tell you that you know when i was growing up of course you know as with a lot of people i'd listen to my mother's record collection and all that and she had you know a mixture of say things like classical and jazz and say 70s rock music and things like that so okay. obviously i've picked up stuff like that as well you know did you ever go to any sessions Did your parents ever go to the pub and take you to any sessions when you were a kid no that was that wouldn't really be their thing but you know obviously being from galway i've been to a few over the years you know because obviously um for anyone who doesn't know galway has the traditional sessions in the pub all the time of course so you 
you're inevitably going to see some if you if you're from Galway, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. Galway's where where all that shit goes. And uh, so tell me, so how is it? I mean, I, I've been checking out some of your guitar videos, and I heard one track that you've done. You did it for uh, was it for an Eider Down Records compilation? Yes, I did. That was the most recent one. That's the second track I've done under my own name, basically.
Yeah, I'll tell you what happened, a bit of a kind of a winding story. Like, actually, guitar was one of the first things that I was really interested in as a teenager, because, you know, um, the synthesizer stuff actually came later in some ways. You know, I remember uh, I was actually big into things like, say, well, classic metal and things like that, you know, like the Metallica or Slayer or whatever it was when I was yeah. a teenager, you know, so that was actually one of the first things I tried to emulate, you know what I mean? So, um, so you were a metal? Had, yeah, for a while, you know, Wow. and I still yeah. go back and listen to some of the classics um, from time to time, you know. Cool. Yeah. Chris was a metaler as well. Yeah. yeah. I still listen to a lot of it myself. Just like the stuff I was into at that time. Like, I really like Voivod. Voivod are still one of my favourite bands. Do you like Voivod? Yeah, you know, you know, I've never actually listened to them. No. Well, Chris yeah. will send you some. Chris will send you yeah. some. Yeah, I can send you some for sure. <laughs> right, so you were a metaler in Galway and you were playing guitar, right? And you were, that was your, that was your thing. It was, yeah, you know, and um, you I don't know bands? what I, I was. Yes, actually, I I played keyboards in a metal band when I was a teenager, you know. But, you know, yeah. I, as with a lot of kind of teenage bands, it didn't really last, you know, because that's how these things are. What were you called? Uh, Golgotha. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And did you do any gigs? Yeah, we did a couple. We played in a very long defunct pub in Galway called O'Malley's, I think it was. It's a, it's very long gone. This is many moons ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, that, cool. so I guess technically that was really my first introduction to gigging, you know? Yeah, cool. Nice. Right, I didn't know you were a metaler. And so, like, what would you say after metal, what became the, your influence? What What was, what's the kind of is have you got an influence behind your sound in regards to when you were doing the ocean floor stuff and to where you're at now? Is there any sort of like what's what's the stuff you're listening to or you that influences you? I guess. If well, anything. I mean, it's it's changed a lot with time. You know what I mean? Um, there's there's some stuff that still remains constant. You know, I mean, obviously a lot of the classic you know, I don't know what you call it, like hard rock or heavy metal stuff, like say Black Sabbath or whatever, I'd still listen to all the time. So that's never gone away. And other things have kind of come and gone. Like say, in college, I was studying classical music, of course. So that's how, you know, I got interested in things like say modern classical and minimalism and stuff like that through, you know, studying classically. So that's how I picked up some of those okay. uh, influences, you know? Yeah. So no, there's no particular artist or anything that's like you, you're kind of like a beacon for you or somebody, there's no particular sound. It, there were a few people, actually, if you want to talk about synths specifically, of course, like a lot, like a lot of people who maybe were, grew up, say, you know, 90s or early 2000s, obviously Aphex Twin, you know, was one of the first people I was listening to all the time. And that was actually, if I had to pick one person, I guess, that's how I heard a lot of these old analog synths and thought, wow, that sounds amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I, he's he's still doing it. He's still releasing he's still amazing Absolutely, shit. yeah. Still yeah. going strong. Yeah, yeah. 
Cool, yeah. I mean, Apex is, yeah, Apex is fucking amazing. There's no, that guy's a, it's a, talking about singular voices, like that's definitely yeah. one right there. And so with the guitar stuff, is it, 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 what guitar music are you listening to now besides Black Sabbath and that? Because, you know, you were so spoiled for gigs to go and watch in Bristol, you know, like you must have, you know, was uh, what what was your favorite fucking band in Bristol or your favorite gig that you remember going to? That's a good question. You know, like the thing about the Bristol years is it was all such a blurry, you know what I mean? Like just, there were so many gigs all the time. So it was all just this kind of, I don't know, whirlpool of sorts, you know what I mean?
how did you meet them? It must have been, you know, can only have been that really, you know. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I, I, I think I remember now. I mean, I'm not 100% on it, but there was this really cool venue called The Croft in Bristol, which is sadly long gone, you know. Um, I thought it's reopened. I thought it had reopened. Yeah, it's called you know? Rights now. Yeah, it's, yeah, there is a new venue there, but it's different people. Like, to be fair, you know, the new venue that's there actually isn't bad either. They still actually put on some cool shows and stuff like that. So it's not a total loss, but, you know, it's not the same venue that it was. You know, it's they do still yeah. put on some interesting shows there, absolutely. Like, they still put on improvisational nights and stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We played okay. there with Holy Scum earlier this year. Oh, very good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it's much difference, really. I mean, to me, it just looks <laughs> the same. I mean, the bar's in a different place. The bar's on the left-hand side now instead of... used to be at the front, didn't it, kind of curving round, and then you went through into that back door. Yeah, they changed the interior a lot. But, you know, in a way... Um, yeah, I will say that, like, normally... At first, I was quite disappointed when the old venue closed down because, you know, when a venue you love closes, obviously, that's disappointing. But... Yeah. I will say I do feel like the people that are running it currently seem to at least have done a decent job of kind of keeping the flame alive, so to speak, with say underground shows and things like that. You know. Yeah. So have you been have you been back to Bristol much since you moved back to Ireland? Only once. Uh, okay. That was when I was doing. Um, I was taking part in in an EP sixty four performance. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone That's that doesn't it. know. That was Jesse playing with you at that one? I was, yeah. Sorry, he was rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said cool. he, he said he really enjoyed that. He said it went really well. Yeah, like it was an intense weekend because for basically for anyone who doesn't know, this was this kind of um, improvisational project that was uh, run by a woman called Dali, and so, you know, it was kind of there wasn't any fixed lineup, so. There was only ever going to be 64 shows. That was the whole team behind it. So this was the 64th one where it was just like all the people who'd been playing with the ensemble over the years all together for one last weekend. You know what I mean? So it was pretty intense. Cool. Yeah, I was going to ask what number show you played. So it was the 64th, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I missed that because Dali asked us uh, to take part in that. Um, but I can't remember. I think we were gigging already, or some. Or we maybe we weren't because if Jesse was playing it, I, d I don't know why I, did, I didn't make it. But so all that EP sixty four stuff has been documented, hasn't it? It's just been released. I think this summer that there's been a a big release of, I think of pretty much every show. Yeah, they put out some sort of like CD box set recently, you know. Six six CDs or something ridiculous like that, isn't it? It's fucking yeah. Vast. yeah, yeah. And cool. there has been a documentary, which unfortunately I haven't seen yet, but hopefully someday I will. Oh, I didn't know there was a documentary. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I didn't get to see it yet, but you know, I'll keep an eye out for it. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And so, how many EP sixty four shows did you play? How many did you do? I think three, you know, I'm not sure. I think it was three. Right. Uh, I did one and what were you going to say? No, go on. Just carry um, on, man. I did one in this venue in Bristol called The Lanes. 
That was a bit yeah. surreal. For anyone who doesn't know, the lanes is a venue, but it's also a bowling alley. So basically, as we were playing the show, we could actually hear people bowling <laughs> in the next room, basically. So all these like bowling balls hitting off each other. So it's one of those things where you have to just kind of keep your cool and pretend that you can't hear a bunch of bowling balls hitting off each other, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is a strange place to play the lanes. And the stage is uh, really high. I'm assuming you guys probably didn't play in the stage because it wasn't something EP64 often did play on stages. But um, it was a strange venue, the lanes. But didn't uh, Holy Scum, you guys played there recently, didn't you? And, and Pete from Holy Scum was like throwing bowling balls in the crowd <laughs> and shit. Rolling, he went, rolling bowling balls down the bar and stuff like that. So, he went absolutely he feral for that for show. Long. Yeah. He was uh he gathered up all the shoes, you know, all the shoes that are in the uh in the in the big rack. He'd yeah. like gathered all them into a pile and was like throwing them out. And then he was he was getting the bowling balls and like the I think one of the barmen came up to him and was like, if you throw that, I'll throw you out. And he just went, Okay. And then as soon as he turned his back, he just fucking bowled it right down the venue. Um he jumped on the bar and grabbed a bottle of I think it was tequila or something, and just basically opened it and poured it in this guy's mouth. They didn't even see that. Yeah, he went absolutely <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Good show, though. Yeah. Johnny enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, so like, the lanes... Like he, he, the lane... was, he was the spirit of Johnny that night. <laughs> Old Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, oh, you know Johnny, oh, don't you, Angus? Of course, you must have got to know him over the years. Johnny, oh, do I? <laughs> yeah, John John O'Carroll from Rocket. He lives in Bristol. He would have been at loads of the oh, gigs. Oh, of course, yeah, that Johnny. Like, yeah, I've met the Rocket uh, crew a couple of times. All right, you know, I've been to, you know, they put on a show in London a few years back as well, didn't they? So I was at that year well. anniversary. Yeah, exactly. I was at that one for sure. Yeah, yeah, we were too. Yeah, yeah, we went to that. It was uh, it was loud. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so what was I fucking saying there? Um, so you, oh yeah, because you also did a few more shows around Bristol, right? Where you were playing with a few other people improvising. Because you, did you do a few with? Because um, you did you do a few with Jesse, or was it just that EP sixty four? But you, had you jammed with him before? Oh, a couple of times. I also played with him. Like he, you know, um, he has his solo project, The Final Age. You know, so he. Um, I think he got invited to play a festival, so he put together a band for that, which included me and a few other people as well, you know? Yeah, yeah you played at Astral Festival. Yeah, yeah, good fun. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was a good show. And that was the was that the only show that uh, Final Age ever did? I think it was, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I, I mean, I'd have to confirm, but I think that was the only one. Yeah, it's a shame that would have been a good live project to keep going but i guess a hell of a lot of work as well for jesse really to to yeah to work it into an work it into a live thing it's a lot of people involved yeah and and how many shows do you reckon you did solo in bristol when you were there it, i mean i don't know if i had to guess maybe about 50 or 60 or so i'd say oh fucking hell right so you did a fair did you ever play outside of it did you ever go any yeah, a few times, like, you know, because it's, um, let me think, 
I've done a few shows around the continent, not many, unfortunately, but like I played in, uh, I think I played in Berlin once and uh, Saarbrücken as well, which is the small town in Germany. So like a couple of shows in Germany, one or two in Switzerland as well, you know. Nice. Um, and was that on the back of like releasing Ocean Floor stuff and and people inviting you to come and play there or? Well, it was more basically, in a way, yes, but it was more the case that, like, you know, um, I guess Heloise had friends there, you know, in Dolmo, because they, uh, the people from Zamzak, Zamrek, basically, they used to live in Geneva for a while, you know, so yeah. they knew some people there, so that's how that happened. Nice. So when you, you played in Geneva, did you? Yeah, twice. One of them was at this big... Um, uh, festival there in like um, Zam Zam and a couple of other people you know it was this huge kind of um, don't ask me what it was it was one of those kind of big squat type venues you get in the continent or something like that you know what I mean where there's all sorts of stuff going on it, it wasn't the uh, zine fair was it? Was it a zine fair? A I zine think festival. yeah I think there was a zine fair basically it was a huge building and there was, was stuff happening in it. who? was I there? Because I, I was at one of those festivals with them. Fuck. Yeah, I think you might have been. Uh, I mean, it was so long ago, but, you know, it's kind of, it was like, oh, eight years ago or something like that. Maybe yeah, yeah. More. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Sweet. Well, that's good. Yeah, the Zamzam crew are very connected. They know yeah. a lot of people. So, yeah, they're definitely good to help you out with shows. And you've been, have you been over to France a few times to, to see Olmo uh, and Eloise? Yeah, I mean, I like going to France, basically, and to see them, you know. Um, it's just, it's good in the way that you'd hope it to be, you know, in the sense that you know, I, I have, there's some nice people there I can stay with as well, and, you know, yeah. cheap wine as well, and all the good stuff. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what are you supping there? Are you supping Guinness or Beamish? Or I what? am indeed. Yeah, uh, nice. It's the Guinness, yeah. Yeah, nice. Do you have a do you have a local booze around you there that you can go to? No, actually, like the thing is, where I'm living now is more like real countryside. You know what I mean? There, there isn't really even a village or anything like that. There was yeah. one pub, a local pub called McEvely's, but um, unfortunately, I think it's actually closed now. So that's that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably COVID fucking shut it down or something. Exactly, yeah. I think with the mixture, it was probably a combination of that and other factors as well, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you left uh, Bristol, was is when like Almo and Eloise and that left Bristol, did it feel like there was a bit of a hole there in the scene? Was Did that affect your uh, decision to move at all or anything? Not really, because the thing about that is, you know, um, they left in 2015 and I stayed on there for another, like, say, six or possibly seven years after that. So the thing is, yeah, okay, that was one of those things where, you know, simultaneously I was sad, but also happy for them in the sense that I understood that, it, you know, unquestionably it was the right decision, especially when you see the place they actually moved to. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And and do you feel better living in the countryside? Do you, would you prefer to be in a city or are you, uh, are you, are you are you grand in the country? It's complicated. You know, like the, the fact is, 
One thing I would miss sometimes is that in the city you've got the um, collaborative aspect. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That okay. like just the fact that you end up just purely by being there, meeting so many different um, musicians and so on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard. in Ireland. There's a lot of people in Ireland doing music. There's a lot of people to collaborate with them. And it's such a small country, but we're so yeah. oh yeah, we're I so spread out, you know. Yeah, I suppose one important piece of context, I guess, is the fact that um, there probably is stuff like that in Ireland as well. But like, it's all a bit new to me because basically, what happened was I was away for a very long time, like eleven years. And you know, when you move back home after that long time, it's almost like moving to a new place. So it's kind of like. Yeah, I have to get to know people all over again, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah, for me, one of the big things that influenced my move back to Ireland was, I mean, it took me a long time to do it, but when 2010, when we came to play the Hunter's Moon Festival in Leitrim, that Willie and Natalia, have you met Willie and Natalia? Oh, yeah, loads of times, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they used to put on a festival. In fact, they still do it. It's a lot smaller now. Um, and uh, I came back in 2010 to play, and that was when I met loads of people like Moose. I I, I don't know if you've met Moose. Oh, and, I have. Yeah, yeah. Have. George George Brennan and and yeah, loads. No. Lot, Phil 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 Langero, who I play in Moundabout with, and a whole bunch of other people. And I was like, oh, wow, there's actually a really nice scene of of people here. And it, it did influence my move. But it, what I noticed about in Ireland is obviously you have to make quite an effort. You know, you've got to fucking get to people's, you've got to go to people's houses and like, all right, I'm going to spend the weekend end at your house or you you come to my house, spend the weekend or spend the week at my house and we'll, we'll do some stuff in it. You know, it's not like you just, fucking just meeting at the pub and going for a jam afterwards it's it's not like that at all but I kind of like that as well because I don't know I don't know about you but I do benefit from the solitariness like being solitary and sort of having to um like I find myself playing actually more on my own which is something I didn't do when I was living in a city uh, with the band with with Chris and all that, like at Islington Mill or whatever. It was like either playing with other people all the time or not playing. Whereas now I just like play on my own and just might sit down and play the guitar for an hour a day, and be like, and and that's really nice. I actually I I, I really enjoy that. So, and I like the solitariness of of Ireland, but you do have to make a bit of an effort to go and jam with people like it's it's one of them it? yeah it's true because i think it's like basically um there isn't quite like one big central location that you can just live in and always have stuff going on it's more like say this week you go to leitrim and there'll be something there maybe the next week yeah. cork or something like that it's different yeah. for you, you know yeah that is of course unless you live in city center dublin or cork but i mean yeah but like unfortunately you know that's well past my budget right at the moment you know as you know yourself you know i know very well yeah i, I mean I, I couldn't imagine living in dublin or or it's yeah. or cork cork's really expensive too isn't yeah. it i mean yeah i mean um are you going to go out and uh 
there's quite a few gigs coming up in October. I don't know if you know about them. Like uh, Sunburn Hand of the Man are doing a three day residency in Dublin. Uh, no, you know, that, you know. Cool. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah, we should go. We should all go. Yeah, that would be a really good idea because I actually haven't been out to a gig in Dublin in a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Very you know, we could time. do it because, right, so Sunburn Hand of the Man are doing a residency in Dublin on the 20th, 21st and 22nd of October. Uh, and on the 21st of October, Willie and Natalia are having um, a Hunter's Moon mini festival up in Leitrim. Um, so, and then Sunburn are going to be playing in Limerick. They're going to play in Dolan's in Limerick. And they're looking for a few other shows in Ireland. Um, so maybe we should make a bloody weekend out of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, we could all meet up in Dublin, Angus. You should come along. I mean, I'll have my van. I think my wife will be over from Portugal, so I won't have much room in the van. Um, yeah, that'd be really nice, actually. But we could do something. And then, like we, me and you, should definitely hook up and do some, do some recording. Come to this place to have here and alone because I've got some, I've got space and I've got space to record in. You know, so we'll do yeah, something. Yeah, and then, so, uh, what what have you got planned? Like, have you got any plans, or are you just sort of taking it all as it comes with the music? I mean. Oh, with the music specifically, well, I've got, there's basically two things I'm working on right now. One of them is a new, a new track that I've been working on for ages, like on and off. And it's, it'll be a, a bit of departure because, um, well, first of all, it'll be the first one that I'm actually playing bass guitar on. So that's something new. And also nice. I'm experimenting a little bit with vocals as well. So it might have some of that, you know. Lovely. Nice. So have you uh, have you ever been a singer in the past? Have you ever uh, ever done much? Not really, you know, like I tried to back in the day, but it never really took. But the thing is, I think maybe previously I was just kind of trying too hard with it or something, whereas now I just try to let it happen, basically. Cool. When you say back in the day, were you just trying to do screamo vocals on metal stuff? Or... No, no. In those days, I was purely just into guitar and keyboards, you know, but like I used to kind of... Um, do a bit of acoustic guitar stuff as well many years ago but it's one of those things that i never really stuck with you know nice but now okay. I, now i'm getting back into it just because sometimes it's almost about what's necessary because sometimes it's like you hear a track and if it sounds empty without vocals then it sounds a bit empty you know so you have to kind of fix yeah. that you know so that's really what it's about like some of the tracks I was working on, they sounded as if they should have yeah. vocals on. So that's where the impetus comes. I mean, I'm not sure if it'll work or not, but so I think sometimes you have to do things even if you're not totally sure whether they will work, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Is that part of is that part of your process then in doing stuff, just throwing stuff in, like, and then subtract subtracting stuff just trying loads of different things and subtracting it, or are you just capturing a vibe in a, a, in a specific moment? Yeah, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit random really, like in the sense that it's just, um, I always start by just doing these kind of endless, 
uh, improvisations and then you're stuck with the problem of say having some track that's 25 minutes long and then you have yeah, to got to edit select, that fucker you, yeah. yeah select yeah. the few minutes that are actually good and sometimes it can be a bit um annoying because sometimes you have to cut out stuff that you actually like but if it doesn't serve what the track is yeah. then it has to go in the end you know yeah well that and yeah i hear you on that man what with that kind of stuff when i've got like big long tracks i always think okay i have to cut this bit out that i like but that doesn't mean i, I can't use it again because like another way I, I started to look at things now like anything that i don't use I, I can always do, I'm, at some point I'm going to sit down and listen to it and probably have an idea to collage it with some other piece of music, that a similar thing that I've put aside and just create something different, you know what I mean? I never see it as like a waste. I always just see it as just something to put aside for another another occasion, you know. I'd, 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 I like to use as much of whatever I can, you know. And it's a different thing, isn't it? Like sitting down to just jam for 20, 25 minutes or sitting down to like actually say, right, I'm going to try and keep this under four minutes at least just, you know? Yeah. And then, but then, but then I find that that natural, that, that doing that for a bit, it becomes as natural to just play for four minutes as it does to play for 20 minutes. Do you, do you know what I mean? You end up finding that zone as well. You know? Well, yeah. Do you I find mean, like, it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the classic songs are very short, basically. You know, think of all the stuff from the 60s mm -hmm. that's only, mm -hmm. you know, make basically three minutes tops and that's all you get. And sometimes I guess it leaves you yeah. wanting more as the cliche goes because you hear that fade out and you want yeah. to hear what passed the fade out, but you can't. Yeah. But it's yeah. better that way sometimes. It just fades out and that's all you get, you know. That's part of the magic, though. That's part of the magic. Especially when the track starts fading out, just when it starts to get really yeah. good, like the bass starts to really walk or something, and the drums yeah. are like, yeah, and then and it fades out, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. But th I mean, that's that's the, that's magic. That's the magic of like that's what that's what the the draw isn't it? And do you find that when you're playing guitar that it makes you play like? I find like, okay, with synthesizers and stuff, the t for me, the tendency is to sit there and fucking sit there for 20 minutes, half an hour f searching. But with a guitar, I find I can sit and start picking or doing something and it all naturally starts to fall into a shape and it all starts to end up being like, you know, naturally f resolves after like a few minutes. And then, and it feels like the guitar is a kind of a, a a, a natural an instrument that you can't really especially if it's just a guitar with not loads of effects you know what i mean you're just like playing straight guitar it it doesn't you know it's for me i, I can't sit there for 20 minutes doing some really long piece I, I haven't got the chops basically i haven't got the skills yeah well the thing is like with actually one of the reasons why i ended up taking the guitar up again as opposed to the synthesizers was i have to say with synthesizers there, there can be a drawback where the setup becomes so large and so complicated that everything is all about planning and thinking and you yeah. know having to plot everything out you know just to make a few seconds of sound or something and it's like yeah these days i just kind of can't be bothered with that basically i prefer to actually just try to let myself have some fun with it like and 
if that's just a question of strumming a simple chord or something like that, then maybe that's all I need. Thank you.